If your brokerage is also trying to scale, here are some tips about what your TMS needs to be. Cloud-based for easy access anywhere. Have all your broker tools on one screen. Seamless integrations with all load boards and capacity tools. Built for both truckload and LTL loads. Free to update. And no lag time, no crashes, with easy to export highly detailed data reporting. Schedule a demo now and ask about getting your first month free. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales show for closers. I'm your host today, as always, Kevin Hill. And we have an exciting jam-packed show for you today with Omar Singh, founder and president of Surge Transportation. We're going to talk about driving value as a, a freight broker. Certainly, it's not on price. It is about picking the, the right spots, the, the right way to help out your shipper customers. So Omar just wrote an article on FreightWaves.com about that. So you can go to FreightWaves.com and check that out. The name of the article is All Machines Need Maintenance. Your broker is the mechanic and not the operator. So we're going to talk about economies of scale and trucking and also about overflow freight and what a great opportunity it is for that. Uh, first off, let's, though, let's uh, go over to the Freight Tech 100 nominations. Those opened on July 5th, so it's been well over a month now. So those last until August 26th. So here in a little over two weeks, we'll be closing those down, then sending those over to our special panel of industry leader experts to vote on the top 25. And then we announce those November 3rd at F3 here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Three days of jam-packed fun all about the future of freight. So if you haven't nominated anyone, your favorite tech vendor, your own company, uh, then please go to FreightWaves.com and do that today. And let's also talk about Thai software, right? So Thai TMS saves 3PLs and freight brokers an average of over two hours a day per rep with a smooth workflow designed to help you speed up your process and scale the growth of your brokerage. With a centralized platform integrated with your load boards, rating tools, and carrier compliance, Thai TMS customers see an average 30% increase in monthly shipment volume. Visit Thai-Software today to schedule a demo, and that is TAI. I'm sorry, TAI-software.com. So go there today, schedule a demo with the great guys and gals from Thai Software. So with those introductions out, let's bring on Omar to the show to talk about being a mechanic. Yeah, something like that. So. <laughs> How are you doing these days, Omar? Doing great. I love the frames. I think it's the first time I've seen them. Yeah, the so. the uh, everyone's making fun of me on with these frames calling me Harry Carey. So um, <laughs> well, if I'm, I'm going to be called anything in life, Harry Carey's not a bad bad bad. Yeah, person. I'm not making fun of you. I, I like him. I appreciate him. So thank you. Thank yeah. and you're you're sharply dressed as always. Uh, the sharpest dressed man in freight. I always say. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
So, so <laughs> well, let's get down to business and, and talk about your article that you published uh, a couple weeks ago on FreightWaves.com. And that is All Machines Need Maintenance. Your broker is the mechanic, not the operator. So if we take a 30,000 feet view of, of the title of the article and the theme, what would you boil down to, Omar? Well, I, I think it, it boils down to fundamentally, you know, and, and, and I talk about this and not everybody does it, but I think that brokers should not try to replace primaries. I don't think they should compete against primaries. I think they should strategically position themselves with their customers to say, look, when your primaries aren't available, I can be here, I can flex, I can swell, I can surge, I can do all these things that you need me to do, but I have to acknowledge that the majority of the work is going to be done by primaries and, 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 and I can't replace them and I don't want to replace them in our relationship. Um, a lot of those relationships are so strong. I mean, it's, it's not even worth trying to. So I use the analogy as a mechanic because we kind of step in and we and we tweak and repair and we do routine maintenance, but we don't really drive the machine ninety percent of the time. Um, at least that's our business model, and and I you know I preach it on the on the hilltops, but um, a lot of people are. I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. I, I know as a freight broker, we were uh, often encouraged to, to go in and try to take take business from the primary, uh, usually asset-based, large enterprise fleets, especially if you're talking to, to enterprise value customers, right? Like a, a billion or right. more of, of revenue, right? You're not going to, to replace the, um, the enterprise fleets that are servicing them. Uh, you're not going to take lanes. Right. You're not going to be competitive. Um, you might be able to c- compete well, it gets back to the price issue, right? Is that you can't offer the service that that they do usually with drop trailer programs and, and things like that. But you know, you have surges, right? Surge transportation, right? You have surges, you have seasonality, you have um, you know the the overflow freight that should be your bread and butter as a freight worker. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And, and listen, we've always sold on it. And I think that it makes for a more valuable partnership as well, because they sort of, they don't have to hold their primaries necessarily to expectations that are unreasonable, you know, for one reason or another, let's say the loads aren't um, tendered evenly that week, and their carriers just don't have trucks. So rather than get upset, you know, you kind of go to your strategic provider who might be you know, just a little bit more than a primary, but still completely reasonable and somebody who you want to work with. And it just keeps things flowing. And I think it, it, it makes for a cleaner partnership, you know, so you know, when they call on you, there's, there's a special need and we're kind of held to very high standards as well. And so long as we deliver, that's okay. <laughs> but I, I, it, you know. it is, it, it is. I, my, my philosophy, you know, it was, it was, much the same as a, a freight broker. I, I didn't necessarily want to win all, all the business <clears throat> from one customer. I just wanted to pick the lanes and the opportunities that made the most sense for me and, and right. deliver value to the customer as well, right? Things I could cover that I, I could have stable rates on that I was good at, right? I had the carrier connections for that, which brings value to my customer <laughs> and also to myself and have several customers and pick those, those, those pockets of, where I could excel at and be better than, than, than everybody else. And it just made life easier than trying to uh, take, take business away from, mm-hmm. you know, the, the primaries or the, the status quo carriers. 
uh, who oftentimes, you know, there, there wasn't a problem with. So why am I trying to, to sell against them all the time? Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't realize, you know, I've, I guess, luckily been doing this for a couple of decades more um, <clears throat> since I opened my first trucking company. But I think a lot of times people don't realize how established some of these relationships are, you know, with primaries and drop trailers and how well they know the network. And it's not just a price thing that would knock them out for a couple of pennies. I mean, there has to be a major disruption for a serious primary to be replaced. And it's, yeah, just trying to go in and, and undercut them by a nickel or a dime or whatever it is. I mean, it's just <clears throat> kind of meaningless when it comes to somebody who's been in your network for 20 years. So then, you know, how do you have a conversation about value when that's what you're up against? And what we try to say is, well, we'll help them because we'll supplement the things that they're not able to do. We're not going to compete against them. We're like, we know, we know our place and, and they're primaries for a reason by definition. So we're going to try to, provide value where they're not able to. And um, I don't know, I've always liked the analogy about kind of the mechanic and doing maintenance and breakdown repair, but letting them be the real drivers of the majority of freight. So. I, I, and I, I think that's a great niche, right? I mean, it's uh, the, the riches are where the, or the niches are where the riches are. And that is it, it, it's, it's picking where you can add value and, and being the mechanic in, in a system helping with any breakdowns or, or struggles. Uh, you, you can get real consistent um, reoccurring business just by doing that. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I'll tell you, you know, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no go I, ahead. I was talking. No, I was going to say, <laughs> I think over, over the years, I've we've just had a much better experience. And I think the customers who we work with find it refreshing when you go to them with that sort of understanding and saying, this is yeah. this is where I think I can provide value. This is where I can support your primaries or this is where I can support your network. And a lot of people say, well, you know, wow, a lot, most people don't don't offer that or don't sell on it and don't want it. And it just it allows for a more meaningful partnership, I think. Yeah, so, I think it's that mentality of of going into a customer and trying to uh Trying to, trying to get as much business as possible, right? And, and oftentimes that means uh, trying to displace the status quo, trying to displace the the primary carriers or or freight brokerages or, or contracts that they have on file, getting in on that RFP bid, and it just it, it doesn't really make all that much sense, you know. I mean, because yeah. it will happen, you know that. You're going to run into the people who are displeased with the service they're getting right now. They might give you a shot um, at displacing some of the, those regular routes, but oftentimes it's you know they're struggling with something. Find out what they're struggling with and um, be able to just fix that one, two, three things. You know, I, I think in the article it was at ten percent. Ten percent of loads is kind of a number that you throw out there. Yeah, I think that's just the historical average tender reject, mm -hmm. right? They just somewhere between call it eight and 12 depending on the year and the environment and of course during covid we saw much higher numbers and and now they're back to historical norms so i think for us i mean i don't want to say it's um i don't want to say it's refreshing because it's not being in a you know kind of freight recession or everything that's going on right now but it's mm -hmm. it's kind of you know we're back to historical norms and do we have a business model that's sustainable in a historical norm and you know the answer is yes and so i think that's 
that's the good news because kind of with all of the rapid growth and extra volume during COVID, everyone says, well, well what happens when things normalize? And, and well, when they normalize, we'll do what we've been doing for the last 10 years, you know, so operating in 10% space rather than 40% space. And um, so I guess that's the good part. But, but yeah, even, you know, in truckload, so we do mostly truckload. And so our diversification, you know, when everyone's trying to grab as much primary business as possible, I call our kind of seven, um, seven service lines to be primary backup, um, API, seasonal, spot, expedite, and um, there's one other I'm forgetting right now. I shouldn't. But um, but then other, I uh, guess, companies take a different approach and they'll say, well, our service lines are, are drayage and intermodal and air and truckload and LTL. And, and so it's that's a different way of being kind of, it's still going after primary. You know what I mean? Um, but yep. different service lines. And I think for us, it's none of that's primary, just a little bit, but is really trying to figure out where we can do other things that, that need just attention. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think seasonality and expedited, you know, if, if you're a freight broker out there, I mean, those are, are two two of the, the first things you really should be focused on whenever you're, you're calling on prospects or even your own customers, right? Is finding out, you know, certainly you should know the seasonal, you know, ups and downs uh, of any industry that you're selling freight into or selling capacity into, I should say. So you should have a handle on that, but expedite too. I mean, those are the those are the high margin loads, right? You can move more loads and make more margin, and uh, and have a, a better value prop than you can when you're, you know, a, a kitchen sink type of approach where you're all things to all right. people, and you're going after those core lanes that you're never going to be able to to, to really sniff at uh, for for years if if you're even lo- that lucky, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, while we still have a little bit of time, you know, it's just worth mentioning, you know, APIs are now kind of a big part of our relationship and TMS integrations. But, you know, what I talk about in the article is all that has done is really changed the speed of the transaction, but it hasn't changed the nature of the relationship to say, I'm going to operate in a space that's strategically valuable to you. That hasn't changed about our business model. We're just processing the information more quickly. Um, but fundamentally, I, I don't think the business model has changed as part of it. It's just, it's a little bit more attractive to have an integrated partner and get the you know response time down from you know, whatever, one hour to one minute. But the, the, the nature, the purpose for the relationship hasn't changed like at all. We're still doing the same things. So how, how adopted are APIs now? You know, I, I know... When I got in the business 10 years ago, you never, I mean, I, so they didn't really even exist in trucking, it seemed like, or at least not from my, my point of view on a broker's, broker's floor, but, but now it was more EDI and things like that. Uh, how much of a market share or how commonly used are, are APIs now and, and kind, of, kind of the life cycle of, of getting those set up and, and the full integrations? Have you seen uh, uh, that that be a... a easier and, and swifter process over the last couple of years? I, I think over this year, you know, with the market changing, the um, the willingness to adopt APIs on the shipper side is as they're becoming more well-known and as there are more service providers who are doing it, I think 
you know, they're, they're willing to take a chance because, you know, the last two years, the market was going up. So contract rates were always lower than market rates. So anytime a shipper would accept turning on APIs, they'd kind of also accept that they're probably going to be paying higher than their contract rates. Um, and right now, since the market's in decline, contract rates are higher than market rates. So I think I'm seeing more willingness in 2022 for people to say, well, maybe I should take advantage and, and save a little bit of the money that kind of we overspent in the last 10 years or two years um, and take advantage of some market rates by activating APIs. So um, so that's hard, you know, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a hard competitive environment to operate in for carriers and brokers. It's, I think, resulting in more widespread adoption of shippers being willing to say, okay, if I can save money, I'll do it. But if all I was going to do was going to spend more money, even though it gets me capacity faster, there's there was much more of a reluctance. So probably both, just the evolution of APIs along with market conditions. We're starting to see more of more adoption this year. So, so. when I look into Sonar, I, I, I see the, the spread between contract and spot rates at negative, anywhere from 90 cents to 95 cents a month. Uh, and that's excluding fuel. That is a huge spread that that we really haven't seen over you know five six years uh, at least since we've been tracking uh, the, the the data in in Sonar. Are you starting to see you know whether it's retail or CPG customers come in and maybe uh, talk about renegotiating contracts with their, their their key providers or you know the uptick in API activity? I've taken advantage of lower spot market rates. Um, have you been seeing that over the last couple of months? And and do you expect it to, to continue through 2022? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of, of all of it, right? I mean, we're seeing shippers come to us, not just, uh, but also their primary primaries and renegotiating rates in a um, collaborative way by saying, listen, this is what we gave you the rate at, and we don't want to remove you, but we want you to come closer to market. So I wouldn't say that's rebidding it, that's renegotiating it. Um, we're also seeing rebidding altogether. I've seen some very large customers just say, okay, we're holding the awarded rates for 60 days and we're just rebidding everything to adjust to the market. I've seen that. Um, I've seen more shippers go to real-time rates, which aren't necessarily spot, but they're kind of living in the routing guide. And if the primary rejects it, maybe rather than go to first backup or second backup, they're going to an API provider if the rate is better. So, I mean, yeah, I'm seeing all kinds of every strategy possible to say, you know, we don't want to disrupt our primaries. We don't want to disrupt, you know, the established sort of functioning part of the supply chain that much, but where we can maneuver and save money and maybe recover a little bit of the overspend from the last two years. I'm seeing it in every way. Um, and I, I think it'll continue. I don't know how long this freight market will stay how it is, but I think throughout it, there's going to be a constant renegotiation. You know, and to be fair, I mean, in 2020 and 2021, it was a renegotiation on the carrier and broker side. So... Um, you know, I was speaking on a panel at, last week and one of our shipper customers was on there and, and she said that, you know, the markets used to kind of shift, the pendulum would shift. And now what we're seeing is it's shifting faster and it's shifting higher. 
So whereas it used to be a three-year cycle, now it's maybe a year and a half cycle. And it's not just shifting like this, but it's shifting like this. And I really kind of appreciated that analogy because because it is what we're seeing, right? This just... Um, I, 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 I love the pendulum. Right. Yeah, I love the pendulum analogy, right? Because this is supposed to be balanced, but a pendulum is very rarely balanced, right? And it swings right. up above what you would call a correction on the upside right. and it on the downside, it's an extreme move as well. And I think that's yeah. that's certainly what, what we've been seeing over this last cycle. I don't know if it's pandemic, um, pandemic singular, singularity maybe, just because how extreme that situation was. Uh, or if we're going to see this in in other ups and, and downs in the market as well going forward, you know, maybe in a couple of years or uh, depending on what event happens. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I saw it through the recession, through, you know, when I had the trucking company and you, you lose capacity in markets like this. People either properly go out of business or just decide that it's not worth it. Um, and then once enough capacity is lost, then the balance of supply and demand shifts and kind of it goes back in the other direction again. And when rates get so good, all this capacity starts coming back and then there's too much capacity for the supply and for the demand. Sorry. Free market. And uh, yeah, so it just it's, it's, keeps happening. I Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I like the trucking market so much is that it's uh, it's, it's a free market. It's about as close to a free market as as we, as we have uh, in, in the world. Uh, before we go, I, I know I kind of want to start off with this, but economies of scale. Can we um, talk about economies of scale and kind of difficulties of achieving those in, in trucking? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's why I mentioned that I, I don't think it's even worth it for a broker or a small fleet to try to necessarily compete against established primaries because they can do everything for less. Their, their fuel discounts are substantially you know, less expensive to buy fuel than the you know, average small or medium-sized carrier. Their cost of maintenance and repairs from having their own shops or their volume discounts on, on tires and parts, you know, and just... Any economy of scale that they can have in, in trailer maintenance and trailer purchases and fleet asset purchases is just so much, there's so much cost savings in that compared to what a smaller, medium-sized person can get or a broker who just has no economies of scale. So, so it's just silly to say, I'm going to undercut this person who is just true, who can operate for so much less because they have discounts built into volume purchases. And most people don't. So how can you compete on price? Uh, you really can't, but, but people try and people try and, and new people come in the industry and, and that's about all they can do is is try to undercut in price. And it, it just never works out because you undercut enough, you win the business, and then you have a different set of problems is that you won the business and you can't, either right. you can't move the freight or... Um, you know, certainly you might hire people that you shouldn't hire to, to, to move the freight and you have you have all of those uh, situations. So um, really quickly, we have a couple minutes left here. Uh, what's your one big theme for the, the rest of, of 2022 and, and maybe 2023? So, I mean, we're still really kind of full speed ahead on APIs. So we still have some events and conferences where we're speaking on kind of the differences between now, not just API and spot, but spot APIs and real-time APIs, which are kind of part of inserting into the waterfall rather than after the waterfall fails. 
So kind of trying to bring more awareness to that and bring more awareness to TMS integrations. And I mean, what I hope to see is just more digitization of supply chain and, and more APIs. But while we're seeing more adoption, I will say that um, I don't think most shippers are thinking that all of their service providers are going to be enabling APIs in the next few years. And, and I kind of think that they should and we should. They seem to have an appetite for saying we'll work with a few API providers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But It will. It, it will always be interesting. Yeah. yeah. One of the great things about uh, this industry is always interesting because you never know where it's going to go. But thank you for joining us today, Omar. Omar Singh, founder and president of Surge Transportation. You can find him at surgetransportation.com. Thanks again. Great to see you, Kevin. Good right. to see you too, Omar. And that will wrap it up for this episode of Put That Coffee Down. You can download the podcast at FreightCast and you can catch us here on FreightWaves TV every Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And with that, I will see everyone next week. Go out, make some more. I got friends, only want to talk.